This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Tonight's specific <coughs> series, we're the first of this series, is going to be speaking about what are our goals in Chinuch, the parents' role, and the school's role. How do we deal with it? How do we deal with the challenges? Because we don't always think, a lot of our parents do not think like the yeshiva, and the yeshiva doesn't like thinking like parents, and that's because we're all human. How do we do that? How do we merge it? We have the tremendous schus to have with us the yeshiva, Baron Lupiansky, who not only has an unbelievable depth and understanding of Torah, but he has a tremendous understanding of chinach. It's one sheet per person. Unless you pay double in which you get two sheets, if you want like. But, uh, so, um, A, the focus of this will be a lot more on boys chinuch. Um, that's what I've been involved in most of my life. And high school boys, because, again, this is sort of the, the framework for it over here. And it has its own special uh, needs and so on. But we divide into three parts. A lot of times as a bystander, I would hear communications between parents and school and back and forth. And sometimes I, 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 I realize that people may not understand what a school can do, what a school should do, um, just don't quite get what the school can be used for what it's effective at, what it's less effective, what's to be expected, and how. A lot of people, in this, it, it is an extraordinary broad community. People have very different backgrounds. Everyone is here sending their children to yeshiva because more or less the, the end product is what they would like. But what happens in yeshiva, what's normal, um, how it happens, and so on, for many people, they may have had very different experiences. They may never have had yeshiva experience. And I was trying to, a little bit to start with conversations I've heard where um, I feel it's the, it's, there's a total lack of communication because people just don't understand each other and build a framework around it. So um, this time, Mr. Shem was speaking about a, the broader sense of chinuch in the school. Um, sometime later, next time, we'll, we'll speak more about the academic aspect, the Judaics, obviously. So let's start off with a sentence that I found, or a complaint, I always found amusing if it wouldn't be so painful. Um, somebody becomes aware that a boy in yeshiva is doing something he shouldn't do. Smoking, drinking, graffiti, one, any one of the behaviors that you would expect uh, somebody in yeshiva should not do. And the complaint starts, why can't you teach him that this is wrong? Why can't you teach them? That's not, that's not appropriate. I would expect a school to teach, and so on. So let's take the word teach the way its, it's real definition is, and, and let's try to apply it. So ideally, teaching is, let's say, for algebra. So we present the problem, and then we show on the blackboard, this is how you make a formula out of the problem, this is how you solve the formula. This is the answer. This is how you plug the answer back. It's giving over information and techniques. 
That's the word teach in a very specific sense. And a school in its teaching, in its very literal sense, can do that, should do that, you know, depending on how well you do it and, and the aptitude of the students. That's, that's the results you get. The, the, the idea that they were not supposed to paint graffiti, do we feel there was a lack of information? The poor child never knew that, and we had never bothered giving lesson behavior 103 about no graffiti on places where people in the community notice it. If you've got to do it, do it somewhere in the back of a building, not the front. I mean, it, what's the – so it wasn't taught? Should, should – like, do we expect the Rebbe to get up and say, okay, Rabbi, say, let's go over clearly which behavior is unacceptable. Do we actually feel that that's where the problem is? And so on. And when we ask ourselves, when we, when we pick a person, when we pick a finished product of a bentora, however your picture is, it includes an awful lot of things. Being a yid, being a mensch, a yid, a bentora, includes in itself things that you believe, things that you understand, um, basic behavior patterns, feelings of inspiration, etc., and specific is specific areas of knowledge. So that whole areas, all those areas except for actually knowing Baba Kama, wh what, does, what does teach mean in that way? Do we expect someone to get up and say, Rabbi Sai, this is unacceptable? Is it a one-time, very, very powerful speech? Is it the teacher once a week reminding the kids? Once a day for slower kids? What, 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 what does that exactly mean? What, what, how do we give that over? Punishments? So um, in, in terms of punishment, reward, that's more or less a kind of a very mechanical behavior pattern. If you do X, punishment. If you do Y, reward. So we're sort of training the kids. Is that what we're doing? What exactly we're doing and how we're doing it? Also, as Rabbi Merkin mentioned, where does the home and the school interplay with this? Um, Rafutna actually spoke about this uh, Gemara. He spoke about it um, at a convention, at a Torah convention. I think it was one of the very few public conventions he attended. He, he disliked conventions and public gatherings with a passion, and for whatever reason he agreed. And he spoke sitting down because he's saying a sheer, not, not, not a speech. He spoke about this Gemara, and he says, you know, everybody holds up this Gemara that we were the first to invent public school and, and you know, school for everybody. And Yeshua ben Gamla is held up as a hero. He said people don't realize, as Reverend Merkin mentioned, that this is actually a, um, a, a poor substitute. This was sort of emergency, um, a, a, an emergency holding pattern because it should not be the school but the parent. Um, why is that? Uh, so tuition is a good answer, but other than that, but I imagine if you'd have to stay home and teach your kids instead of working, I I'm not sure that that would be a better arrangement. So, so, so why is it that the parents are supposed to do it? It's not just an obligation. It's obviously that that's ideal, and Rev. stressed that that's ideal, and he, when he, f he finished in explaining it, he said, and my bracha to you, my dear teachers of Torah and is that you'd be out of a job next year, and that everything revert back to the old system. So, so what exactly is, why, why would a home be better? I mean, you know, parents are very nice people, and each one has their own skill set. One out of ten parents is a, is a teacher. So why would everybody be the one to teach their kids? 
you also have yeshivas. Yeshivas did exist in the times of Gemara, and, and the concept of a place, not everybody sitting home and studying, but a place, a, a hall of Tamir Chacham did exist. So, so what is our Chena founded upon and so on? So I want to start with the beginning. What do we believe, and how do we believe? So I'll start with Ramban. It's the second piece on the sheet, um, on, on the side that's full, obviously. Um, the Ramban speaks about the mitzvah to remember and to keep in front of our eyes the standing at Har Sinai. That's the Ramban. So Ramban says... If we bear in our memory a very sharp and crisp picture of Har Sinai, we will copy it. We'll give it over to our children. They'll know it's absolutely true. We will not give over false testimony to our children. We won't give them a legacy of nonsense. And we, they will never um, doubt the testimony we passed on to them. That's what Ramban says. It leaves us a little bit bewildered because every generation that rebelled against their parents, and our collective memory doesn't go back that far, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, the Haskala, uh, reform movement, etc., all rebelled against parents and so on. So what does it mean that this becomes an absolute formula for preservation of it? So I think what Ramban means is as follows. There is a concept that Rishonah bring in logic called muskolos Rishonos, which means axioms or first understandings. Where do we get our axioms from? So our mind works by layering the information we get. So a little toddler is beginning to grow up and wander <laughs> around. So one source of information he gets is when he runs into a wall and it hurts. And that becomes by him very, very uh, a clear um, foundational type of idea. The second one is when his mother says, take the spoon. That this is a spoon is to him very elementary because the, it was brought in as the first layer. Don't eat with a fork. Soup is supposed to eat with a, with, a, with a spoon, not with a fork. So experience might teach it um, and hearing it from his parents and so on. So a child builds up a certain amount of ideas that become the bottom layer of whatever it is they'll understand afterwards. If his parents speak about God as existing, that occupies the same level of, of, of fact as that this is a spoon. And that, and, and, that, and that walking into a wall hurts. Those are all the most primary um, understandings and ideas that are in their minds. Um, it, it, it is a, I don't know what the cutoff for that is, 
But the young age is that, and the first source of information, not personal experience, are parents. So, yes, this is this, this is this, and so on, is all coming from the parents, and that's the first layer of cognition that a child has. Even the second layer, when a child is sent off to school, it's only because the parent says, oh, you're going to go to school. In school, they're going to teach you. What did the Rebbe say? What did the Mora say? What did the teacher say? It's because the parent is the most trusted one and, and his information is foundational that the child now includes what he picks up in school as a second layer. So, the, the axioms of a child are all what the parents gave. At some point, you can rebel against it. We do have free choice. And in science, we've had ideas that were rock solid. Aristotelian physics was considered to be the foundation of the world until Newton came along, and then we realized a lot of mistakes um, in terms of, you know, astronomy. But you can uproot it, but it's very, very difficult. It, it, it requires a very intense cognitive um, directed effort to say to yourself, my, most bottom, my bottommost beliefs are um, not true. It is one of the reasons, by the way, that when a child is in a position where he must, um, where he must reject his parent, it, it, is the most, it, it is the most destructive um, phenomena. Um, even if it has to be done, it leaves a terrible scar because if that's not true and that's not real, so what is true and what is real? And that's why those. That's why this is the part. This is what Ramban means. It's built into us that whatever basic instructions we have. So if our parents speak to us about Yiddishkeit as a child, and it's a given. This is the way it is. Um, it, it's the same way that we say tomorrow the sun is going to rise at 6 o'clock and it rises at 6 o'clock and it has that same level of that's the way it is. That becomes our foundation for emuna. Once again, you can have Bechira and think that people can reject. So that the parent does, and nobody but the parent. When you send a child to an institution, to a Rebbe, to a yeshiva, it's only because you are sort of bestowing a, a sort of power of attorney, and you're saying, wow, he's going to teach you, they're going to teach you, and so on. The first fallout from this, I think, is important to understand, that the day that a parent expresses um, some sort of deep disaffection with a school in front of a child, his, his, this part of getting these things from the school is over. If the, if, the, if, the, if the parent mutters once about the teachers, a bunch of idiots, I assure you that nothing that the teachers will say in terms of, of what we're talking about, and we'll get to that in a minute, is going to stay with the child. And it's more than that. Let me explain what happens. Um, so now the child says, Okay, my parents do know everything. And they said that the, the teachers are idiots. 
So if I buy into it, I'm also an idiot. I'm one of those fools that my parents so wisely recognize as fools. So the child instinctively says, yeah, they're a bunch of nobodies. That's going to be the normal part of it. Or once in a while at an older age, a child will rebel against his home, which is also tragic, like we said before. So if a parent is really dissatisfied with the school, the right thing to do is to go to another school. No matter, no matter what, to keep a child in a system where the people giving him, and like we, we're speaking over here about, we're not talking about instructions, you know, where lessons or, or reading Hebrew or, or so. We're talking about um, the basic understandings of Emmis, then you, you, the, the worst thing you can do is um, do that. I want to tell you over a story from Adam Gadol that I heard myself. Rebbeim Shmulevitz was my Shiva. He was a, a, a go in Olam. He was a brilliant Talmud uh, Chacham. He was in Shanghai for, with the Mir Yeshiva, the Yeshiva of the Mir. And it was very difficult. You know, the Yeshiva was there. He ran the Yeshiva. He had one boy in Shanghai. His other children were born, his other two boys were born in, in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. His oldest son, Rabbi Fazer who eventually became a very big Talmud Chacham in his own right. But that was his Nachas. That was it. And he hired a Malamed to teach Rebbe Fall. Rebbe Fall was 9, 10, I think he told me. I heard the story from Rebbe Fall. The Malamed was obviously not a very bright person. And Rebbe Fall asked him a question. I, I remember even what the question is. And, and, and the Malamed answered an absurdity. Um, Rebbe Fall was too young, but he saw his father's body language it looked like his father was going to shoot off like a rocket. He looked, and he bit his lip and just pretended to go on. It didn't say anything. Rafal noticed it, and he didn't say anything. And the reason is because he would have said something, so he would have had nothing. He would have his kids sitting with Adam Lama. Even though it would be, be worse, he'd be sitting with somebody who he's picked up that this man is not bright, this man is, doesn't know what he's talking about, and it would have destroyed him. So... The, the, the most important, the connecting point is that. Let's give a, a different, I, I just want to, we need to understand this, how we work. When somebody says, I'm, I'm, I know we have a serious medical issue, we're going to see the best doctor, so-and-so. How do you know it's the best doctor? So, you know, so people try Googling and Yelping and all that. You know, it's very good for, I don't know, for which for which honey do to buy. To buy a doctor, you want to do. So what do you do? I mean, so somebody who's foolish thinks that he's a medical expert. What you do is you go to the doctor that you trust, and you ask him. And the person will say, well, I don't know, but I'll ask somebody I know in the field. And then he gets back to you, and he says, I spoke to somebody who's really big in the field, and he told me this person is absolutely amazing. So our connections are always layered. We start, this is a doctor I've used for 30 years. I know him inside out. He's been there through thick and thin. I have a tremendous amount of trust in him. And I build on top of that. Or, or there's somebody who was involved in medical referrals and widely respected by all, by the profession, and so on. So the same way the school is, like the merch said, extension of pants, the extension is the trust that you put in it. If you have a serious issue with the school, you need to bring it up with the school. You need to come and square and say, you know, the child's been taught this and this, this has been going on in classroom, 
this is bad, this is horrible, this is, I, I don't like it, that, that's fine. That's, that's what it's supposed to be. But to have a child hear it once is enough to destroy any ability for him to get from the school. And, and that's, so the first thing that falls out from this, I think, is that the child's elementary point of trust is you, and um, the, 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 the building of trust in the school is built on you. Two, um, how important and valuable is um, Talmud Torah? How important is that part of it? So part of it has to do with, um, part of it has to do with your own life. There is no substitute. A, a, a child's first sense of importance is the importance that parents ascribe to something. The school is only as important as the parent makes it out to be. I remember my father's a kind of racha. He himself had learned in yeshivas. He himself was a shamus in a very big shul. We all shuls like this shul on the east side, hundreds of mispalim. And he was about tefillin yom neiroim. When I turned bar mitzvah, and it was very special for me to, to hear him daven. He very beautifully, very with a lot of depth and meaning. Um, and I was, we were his nachas. We had two children were here, but that was it. When we turned 13, he says, Kindalach, a bachad belongs in a yeshiva. And you need to go to the yeshiva. The yeshiva had a very nice minion. And daven yeshiva. The word yeshiva minion, from that point onwards, in my ear, has a very special ring. Um, if he would have said, you know, it's a dragon yeshiva, then, then, then yeshiva davening would have automatically been placed in the drag bin. And sometimes you have to do it. But, but Lamaisa, that's, that's what it is. The, the, the amount of respect and, and hashivas that you give for studying Torah, the people who study Torah, and the place, and we're going to talk about that soon, a mokum Torah, directly will be what the child will pick up. If a child picks up that what you really respect is something else, then it's not going to help. Um, I, I, I have a cousin who lives in the modern Orthodox community, and somebody decided for the Bar Mitzvah, their child, they, they're going to bring in five, I hope I'm getting it right, Nick players. There were five players from the New York area. Um, very chashev. They take $10,000 to come to make your simcha more Yiddishlach by, with their presence. And he brought in five. Uh, these are supposed to be very chashev players. I mean, I, I, I knew the Giants, the Knicks. Um, I, I knew a bunch of the names, but it's, I think it was the Knicks players. My cousin was incensed. He's a very idealistic person. He said, you know, they could have hired another teacher in the school for that money. So I told him, Ed, you're making a mistake. That's not the problem. There's enough money in our community to hire another dozen teachers with the Nick players. That's not the problem. I said, would he dream of giving Rabbi Salvechik $10,000 to come to Rabbi Mitzvah? Maybe a, he, he paid for his Uber or taxi in those days. He wouldn't give a nickel to bring him. So it's very clear the scale of value. And no amount of, of no matter what the school's going to do, no matter how much a school will tell you that Torah is important, Talmud Chacham is important, her Salvechik is, is the God of Darren, is the most brilliant mind and the deepest person around, it's not going to help. 
because calls in and a shovely. Brilliant minds, big time become pious people, occupy this place in the in the rung in the hierarchy of importance, and somebody up there. That is um, so the chashivus that we attribute to the place. If 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 the word base medrash carries in itself a sense of awe of chashivus, the child picks up on it. If not, again, the child trusts a parent, and even when he's bickering with his parent, the, the things that he hasn't even noticed are automatically the, what the parents said or did and so on. So that takes us, that's the relationship from the parent to the, to the school. How does the school um, impart those values? Is there an official shear, like where Rebbe gets up and says, you have to believe, like catechism, you have to believe X, Y, and Z, and you, and you have to act A, B, and C, and, and this is it. There is very little of that in a yeshiva. We'll speak more about it um, next time, when we talk about the academic, the academics of the yeshiva. But there are there are shiurim here, there. It's spoken about occasionally, but it's not done in a. Um, it, it, it certainly doesn't occupy anywhere near the volume of how important it is to us. The things we mentioned, we would like them to believe the, the fundamental beliefs of Torah. We would like them to value the things that Torah values. We'd like them to be inspired, and we'd like them to know. But those first three things I mentioned are not easily given over in, in frontal teaching, in the specific idea of, of a lecture, and rarely does it, it, does it work. It's not the way. So occasionally, there could be a very, very inspiring speaker who'll come in once and inspire. It, it's, not, it's not something that's the bread and the butter of any school. Where do you pick it up? So if you take a look at the next piece, there's a Rambam. The Rambam has a set of halachas called Hilchas Deos. Hilchas Deos um, refers to uh, um, hot, it refers to what we call Midos Tovos, which is strange to Rambam's use of the word Deos. I would like to posit, I would like to use offer my explanation for the word deos. I would say deos are basic attitudes and fundamental understandings. In other words, let's take anger, which Ramu speaks about, not, not over here, but about previous period. Anger includes an actual component of yelling and screaming, but anger includes a certain attitude. If he's disrespectful to me, I lash out at him. If, if, if something's not ready when I want it to be ready, the right thing to do, the, the, the social interaction is that I yell, I scream, I bang. There's a lot of fundamental attitudes that's really part of it. So the Ramam goes through the first few prokim explaining how to work personally on these, uh, on these attitudes. And then he says like this, Derech shal adam lios nimshach a person tends to be drawn after his friends, and so on. Noheg keminhag anshe And he acts like the people in his, the word Medina would be translated country. I want to translate Medina society. I think that's a much better translation for this. In other words, our set of interactive behavior is determined primarily 
by the society around us. We're geared to act like that. Normal people um, pick up very quickly the cues and they understand how to act and interact. Normal people, by definition, want to be normal and they don't want to stand out, they don't want to be different, and they take it for granted this is the interaction. So you, it is very hard and I would say counter nature to teach people as individuals, teach, I mean, to, to, to expect people as individuals to act in a certain way, they need to act within the context of a society. And, and that's what the Rambam says, you need to move away from a society if you feel that the social norms and mores are not those that you want for yourself. So the Rambam here says that the, one of the greatest influences on a person, and it's not just an influence. We tend to think of ourselves as, let's say, let's say I'm a good person, and somebody comes up and says, no, if you join me, you know, and we'll do this illegal thing, and we'll get a lot of money, and so on. That's, that's sort of seductive. That's like a mesis of idea. Somebody's sort of seducing me through Navera. Here we're talking about, it is normal. The Ramam says, that's how we were created. It's not bad, it's how we were. And therefore, the vast majority of who we are, what we are, is formed by society. Now, this depends on different stages in life. So if, let's say, I as a grown-up go to visit Japan, I, I look at the country, I feel like a stranger, I have no, no sense of acting Japanese or like Japanese. It's not something that in any way, um, I, I'm past that stage. I am who I am, and you know, if I need for business to say a few words Japanese or to bear or whatever do, I'll, I'll, I'll learn that. But my identity is frozen already, and I'm, I'm always be a ger vitoshev. I want to be a stranger in the midst of another country. A child is still forming his self. And the society around you is your self in this whole area of interactive behavior. And Ram says this is normal. We're not, you know, why, why do you do what everybody else does? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yes. And there comes a time when a person can stand against everyone, but the normal person is not like that. So if we ask ourselves, what is going to be the most profound influence on many of the intangibles of a child? It's the nature of the society that he's in. And a school, more than anything else, is a society. And I think that's very important to understand that. A school is a society. It has values. It has norms. And, 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 and they're, they're very um, nitty-gritty norms. If, if you do well on calculus, you get a medal. If, if, if you flunk the test, you have to sit all summer and take it over. If you do this, if you do that, some things are praiseworthy. Some things are condemned. Some things are condemned loudly. Some things are um, unthinkable, and so on. The, 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 the punishments and the rewards and all of that, it, it has a specific need. You need to be able to deal some discipline issues. But more than anything else, you set a system of what the society functions like. In other words, what is good, what is bad, 
what's unthinkable, what's obvious. All of those things are uh, an in intangible part and possibly the most important part in dealing with this area. So in terms of basic beliefs, basic values, it's going to come in through the atmosphere that a school creates. One, it means that a, a child is part of a society. It means if a person wants a child to be different, at, it, it, once it gets past a certain percentage point, it's not wise that the child be the lone ranger in a school. It's something that Flesik Chabad Shluchim wrestle with all the time, and they have their own solutions. It's a very difficult situation. You cannot raise a child and say, well, everybody's like this, but you're different because you're better than everybody else. It's that, that doesn't work, and, and it builds a very, very um, distorted, a very, a, a very troubled personality. Two, and I, this is another important factor, that a child feel that the rules and regulations in the school should be followed. It's not only for the functioning of a school. Going back to my Rebbe, Reb Chaim Shmulevitz, who was an amazing person. He himself was an off-the-chart learner. It, you know, he was the type of person who could go for three days or three nights without sleeping. Um, you know, when I knew him, he was already not well, but when his younger years, the stories about him were astounding. His chinuch for his children, he insisted that they be part and parcel of the institutions that they're part of. Not to be, not to stand out. Not to stick out, and not to, so, you know, a little, if you want to learn lectures on the side with them, fine. But to make, to create something which would be very different, that was not, that, that was unthinkable. And he inculcated it, and he would say it a pasik, he would say schmoozing about it all the time, besoch ami anochi yosheves. It's a pasik, I don't want to go off on that tangent, that I'm together with everybody else. So the decision that the child, and therefore whether you hold, if, if let's say the yeshiva insists on black hats, so your choice is either to go to a different yeshiva, or that the child wear the black hat. Because a big part of it is 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 part of, uh, is being part of that uh, of that environment or whatever it is that the school says. That is when you start when 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 kids when you find ways to get around rules and regulations. Um, you know you can get you can get special leeway for this for that either because you can pull some cards or whatever it is. You're doing yourself a terrible disfavor because um, the child. It's two things. Either he feels he's not really part of everybody else, or the lesson he learns is that social norms are for the birds. The guys who are really mutzlach and know how to get around it and, and go... And, and I want to tell you a story that I heard about a woman I never zoha to know, but seeing her children and knowing and hearing the story, her name was Mrs. Zellinger, Zechina Vracha. Um, she was a woman in Brooklyn, a wealthy family. They were the big supporters of communists, or Islamist communists. Uh, and they were very wealthy, and they were part of supporters of, of the school. And she had a son, Rabbi Yaakov Zellner, who just passed away. He might know well, just passed away recently. And um, he went to the school. Uh, in those days, one of the patrons of that school was a wealthy man. I, I think I, I know, I think I remember the name, but I, it's, it's, I, I'm not sure. He owned a big clothing f factory somewhere in Manhattan. He had one of these old-fashioned clothing stores when 
they had manufacturing in Manhattan, and as a chesed for the boys in yeshiva, they would come down a week before Pesach, or two weeks before Pesach, and everybody would get a little suit, with a shirt, with a pair of socks, with a tie to match, so like a whole little thing, and that was, that was part of his stock chesed, etc. The boy, Rabbi Yaakov, understood that he is not going through that ritual of being clothed as a poor yeshiva bacha. His mother came to the principal, and she, you know, she, the principal told him, you're excused. She said, no way in the world. He's going with everybody else. I'll pay him. That's fine. I'll pay, I'll pay for the suits. Don't worry. It's not on the yeshiva's chesh, not on that person's chesh. But if everyone is standing on line for a pair of sacks, he's also going to stand on line for a pair of sacks. And maybe that's what Shazok said. I know two, two of the children, very wonderful, very special children. Um, because being part of that society, it's norms, it's fact. You can move on later. But at the end of the day, that, is, um, that makes you a member of society. And therefore, the norms, the values, the ideas, whatever is intangible becomes part of it. So many of the, so, so the two things we spoke about, the core values and the, and the, um, and the basic beliefs are something that you pick up as being part of a society. And yeshiva creates society. It has to do with the bull session that Rebbe might have occasionally with the boys. It might be with boys talking to each other. It might be something spoken occasionally. It's not one specific speech. It's not one specific lecture. It is a, a, a general feel of, 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 of a society that you're part of. When you feel you're part of that society, you take its values and it become yours. Again, I want to tell of a story of, of, a, of a tremendously a deep person, a tremendously smart person. Um, what it means to be part of a society. This person I'm telling you over, his name was Godel Eisner. He was, he was a Gera Hasid. He was before the war in Ger, and he, rebuilt, he helped rebuild Ger from the Chinuch aspect. He was the mechanic of Garrett Israel, and he produced a generation of, of people that became, that took on the values and ideas and ideals of, of uh, Garrett. He was an amazingly smart person, understood people tremendously. He was in Europe a few years after the war. There were still some Jews hanging around Poland, and they moved to France. You know, there was the sheriff's plate there. And one day, a former Talmud of, the, of his yeshiva in Poland came to him and said, Rebbe, I got engaged. He said, very nice. He said, it's not such good news. It's a Goya. So Reb Godel thought a minute, and he said, listen, the, the halacha, I'm not sure yet. I have to look into the halacha really well. But for Chassidah Shabbacha, it's not the type of, it's, that's not the type of shit that we expect Chassidah Shabbacha to do. And he didn't do it. And, and he went on afterwards and so on. It makes no sense logically. I mean, if you're trying to ask yourself where the argument lies, no place. The answer is, as long as he emotionally connects him to, to Ger, then that's his society. He's a Gerer. And, and you find people who left the Derech and very stroppy, socially they'll still connect, and sometimes they'll come back via the social route, because this is who I am. I'm part of that. So understanding that the school, and therefore the, the child needs to feel part of that, and, and once again, if you're not comfortable, if you're really, really uncomfortable with the society's part of, no matter how good A, B, or C, or D is, you really need to think seriously if it's not better to switch. Uh, it, it's part of And the other hand, he needs to feel obligated. 
the idea that as society does, you, you, you go along because that's how it works, is, is, is an important key for society to succeed. If, if I want to daven 7.03 in the morning, and everybody else wants to daven 7.15, and I'm not going to come to the minyan because it's just 12 minutes off from what I want to, you, you make somebody who's a misfit. So that's the second point over here. Um, one more point. So we spoke a little bit about beliefs. We spoke about values. The third one is inspiration. We want our children to be emotionally connected to the Yiddishkeit. It's a tough one for a school, and I want to explain why. And this problem becomes confounded, be compounded, sorry, because a, a, um, many people who came to Yiddishkeit late in life did it because they were inspired. They heard something, they saw something, they were very, very inspired, and then, you know, they moved. So now that my kid has it at such an age, he should be singing, dancing every day. And he's not. He's grumbling and complaining every day. So, President, I don't get it. I guess my school... If we could only have my Rebbe could run the high school, we'd have them singing and dancing all day. It's not exactly how it would happen. It would be the same grumbling and complaining, I assure you. Um, it, 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 the, the problem is the nature of a school allows for limited ability for emotional inspiration. It's an, it's an academic institution. There's material that has to be covered. There are grades. There is a certain level of competitiveness. There, there, there is not really time for sitting down and having these type of sessions. So a school as such doesn't have the tools for it really. What you do do, so uh, you, you can create some tools, but they're not easy. Um, uh, for instance, a summer camp does a much better job than that. It's just the nature of, the, of, of that society is different. It's not around study. It's not competitive. It has camaraderie. It has free time. It, 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 it's loose. It just has the right ingredients. We try to do, and we understand it, and we try to do it in Shiva. It takes a tremendous amount to obey and get off only on Shabbos, and yet every third Shabbos, there's an in Shabbos in Shiva. And the boys get a lot out of it. They get out of, first of all, it becomes a, a Torah society, but they Torah society. They see it's a difference when you have everyone together. There's a Dvar Torah, singing. There are a Baim who can do it occasionally in class, sit and sing with the boys. It's highly unusual. And, and you need to understand that uh, a, a school struggles to supplement it. You also, it also, children are at a certain age, not every teenager is ripe for it. So, so it is a critical piece. But a school just by the way a school is, has limited ability to do it. It's important to understand what your limitations are as well as what your assets are. So let's briefly review the points that, 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 that we're making. The, the, when, besides the academic piece, the things we want, I would list them as three things as becoming Torah Jews, Torah values, and so on. One is beliefs, certain fundamental beliefs, two, um, certain values, what's good and what's bad, what's right and wrong, what's good and what's bad, and an emotional connection. The first one starts with parents. And if the parents honestly give the schools 
um, like Rav Merkus said, the shlichus, they gave them the power of attorney. And it's understood, the child senses the parent that this is what he wants for his child. So the beliefs and understandings that he picks up in the school become um, part of, they, they attach themselves to some very fundamental uh, understandings that he has. And it becomes very fundamental to his system of belief. His values and understanding of what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, who is to be commended, and who's to be shunned, and so on, that's picked up by his society. And, and the, the, the school creates a society much more than frontal teaching as far as this goes. Frontal teaching helps guide it. When, when you point out why Yaakov Avinu is good and why Esav is bad, you do say it. But it's more that everyone buys into it. Everybody feels like it. That's the environment. And, and the things that are unthinkable for a child to do and the things that are sort of gray, and all of that goes into his value system. The school as a society is primary doing that, but parents can undermine it if they, don't, if, if they themselves feel that the school rules are just um, a game to get around, then the child, A, doesn't feel part of it, and he also learns that you get around things. That's what he picks up on. Um, I, I once was shocked. There was a boy many years ago in the Shivik Dola, a young boy, very, a lot of issues, not an, easy, not an easy boy. But finally, at some point, he actually moved forward and so on. And I was speaking with his father, who I knew very just knew by face. I didn't, uh, we didn't live in the area here. And he said to me, um, so he was trying to get him into a star yeshiva or something. I don't remember, something of that nature. And he was getting pushback. He told me, you know, everything's a game. If you just know the price and who to connect to, you get what you want. So I understood the message. The, chi the child got that message as well. Uh, and, like, I was stunned. It, it, it sort of, I, you know, I, I was taken aback. But then, I, then it, it, a lot of things made sense about... Why, why the child was always kind of figuring a, a, a way around things. But, but understanding, or, again, you know, you, you need to pick a yeshiva that you feel this is the environment, and you need to be supportive of it. You may have reservations, and you may feel it's wrong, and you may be right that it's wrong. The place to bring it up is to sit down and speak with, uh, you know, whoever it is, Menial, administrator, headmaster, rebbe, whoever it might be, and, and, you know, talk about it, and, and that's fine. You can, and there you can express yourself as strong as you like. That's, that's appropriate. Um, but once you have that, so everyone always has a reason why once in a while you need to miss out on something. But when you put your schedule down as the beginning of everything, the end of everything, and the school is, is just a question of how to get around it, it's a roadblock we get around to, in a certain sense, you're undermining the central tool for having a child develop this way. It's, it's also social development. Finally, the third piece is inspiration. And it is, in many yeshivas, it's lacking a lot. Because, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of them. We do, in yeshiva here, understand that it's significant. And that's why um, these inshabasim, they take, they, 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 I mean, for Rebbe, there's only day off the Shabbos, and 
every third Shabbos you're on duty again, and it's on duty full-time, and the Shabbaton is 24 hours on duty, and so on. It, 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 it's a big, it, it, it's a big Mr. Nefesh. But everyone understands that those events provide moments of inspiration. Finding a good place in the summer, and Baruch Hashem, one of the wonderful things that came out of Yeshiva, I'm, I'm not plugging the camp, but the camp that, that, that two of our, three of our Talmudim have created, and, and the staff coming, is a place where so much Ruach comes in. You can, you can handle late night concerts with guitars and sing and stories. It's the right type of atmosphere for that. We try to do our best with, as we can. Um, the Emir Hashem, next time Emir Hashem, um, will, I want to speak specific academic because it's also quite different than what we would use. It has its challenges, has its difficulties. A lot of boys have a hard time getting into Gemara and so on. I'd like to talk about it. But until then, I, I, I try to give some sort of sense of, of the interplay, the fact that we're talking about two components that have to work hand in hand. The parent has to give the support and and the and the um, and this, this is it's much more than just agreeing. It's much more than lip service. He has to be on board and say this environment is the important environment for my child, and I need to support it as such. And Bez Hashem, if um, everybody's on it together, Bez Hashem should have the Siat to do what we need to do. Okay. Any questions? Any qu- uh, questions? <laughs> yes. So, so part of the school, the school needs to handle it in a way. There's the irritation factor. It's not fun to be sitting in the principal's office and getting 50 phone calls about, look what your students did. Um, it, you know, it, you, you would love to, 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 to take the person who did it. And but how you react, you need to ask yourself, what's the statement I need to make? In other words, should I come down very harsh on it? Should I come down education? It, it's it, it, the the, the um, a, a big part. A big part of the reaction needs to be how do I in, in the big picture? How much significance do I do I attribute it, and and uh, how do I respond? So a, a, a teacher, mechanic, principal, etc., needs to make that decision based on what atmosphere does he create. And sometimes you, 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 you may let some things go by because you don't want to have a very heavy atmosphere. Sometimes you need to tighten things, even small things, because the general feel has become loose and lax. It, it's, it's part of the, of the chachma of the person running the place to try to, to feel, but, but what you're trying to do is, it's a society making a statement. Um, you know, let, let's take another example along the graffiti. Let's say everybody knows that the boy who, who did the graffiti is going through a very tough time at home, or whatever it is, he's having this. It, it, so, so students will pick up a message that even if you're down and hard and, it's, and everything is, is bad for you, no one has Rahmanis for you. On the other hand, if you let somebody get away with it, then you make a statement that drawing graffiti on somebody else's storefront is, is not a big deal. It, 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 what, you're making a statement for the school 
as a society. And that's really what, what needs to go into, into, into the consideration about it. So the sort of becomes, it's a difficult issue in, let's say, the school has somewhat different set of values. Um, so, so let's take just a, 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 a very um, extreme example because it's not. Let's say a type of Kira school where parents are not Shoma Shabbos and in school you speak about Shoma Shabbos. Um, that's, it's a tough one, and, 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 and it's not simple at all, you know, but, but the, same, the main point is whenever you take action that's kind of beyond the norm, you throw out a child, you expel a child, you do this, you do that, you, you, part of the consideration of the person taking the action is going to be what, what statement does it give to everybody else? And everybody else should be first the students in the school. Um, the, 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 uh, there's a lot of public pressure, and, and you know I, I understand well how that plays out, and, and it's very hard to think just as students, I think the public pressure. But ideally, my, my question should be, how bad do people perceive it, and what does my reaction say? You know, the kids may say, well, they were just fooling around, and, and, and just they got very hyper, and then somebody had a accidentally a can of, uh, of, of paint and one guy was on the other guy and then the valve got dislodged and the paint got all so when you come down hard he doesn't get that message um, that's really what should determine the reaction and again we're all humans sometimes reaction is just I've had it you know <laughs> that, that, that's, that's also every, everybody's a person um, okay any other questions any other points yes Rabbi Shnansky is a product of the yeshiva. Everything wonderful about him is because he's a product of the yeshiva. He's exhibit one, exhibit A. Yeah. Only the good things. <laughs> yes. I, I, I find that as kids get older, I struggle with is you want to help them kind of build a filter for things that they're exposed to. Just different things, and not related specifically to school, but in general, what messages do they internalize? What messages do they say, you know, this is for me, this is not for me, in general? And when you So let's take English teachers as, as an example. So your son could go home and say, wow, I heard, you know, someone made this, like, crazy comment. Could be a teacher, could be could be a student. And you talk about it, and you kind of help them. Okay, well, let's filter that. You know, that's something we, we belong into. That, I mean, that's something we don't. So how do you deal with that in a, you know, what happens in, in Judaic studies? You know, you, you have a Rebbe, you have a class, and... You know, every now and then people are human, but like he, maybe he says something that's wrong, but he comes home and he says, you know, the Rebbe, your teacher, somebody said something that just said this. And it's just registers being off by you. So obviously you don't want to say like, oh, that's stupid and not. But the same way that you give over, that you filter everything else, w would you say process it the same way? Like, well, how do you think about this? Does that make sense in terms of this? In the context, is it like never filter anything that comes out of the, out of the Jewish classes? Or no, like everything else. You just have to... So you you um, you can filter it in a way that um, you're explaining it in a different context. He, you know, he meant you you can add your own little parrots, which you might feel is not actually what the Rebbe meant. And I'd say the Rebbe probably said it, it 
because of this, this, or he didn't finish the sentence. It's not, it's not quite, you know, what he meant to say was this, you probably didn't hear it well, or, or he didn't get to, to the end of the story or the beginning of the story. You, you, you do have to dance around it. Um, I'll, I'll tell you another story. I, 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 a big person. I was in, I, I once, I used to have like a small group together with Moshe Shapiro. We used to be together, and I came once, I was, I guess, the first, the second one we were there. This is house, was, so was more Hamish. And he had a, a storybook on his table that, stories from, from, from a, a, a storyteller who was very, you know, from, it's a very, very from book. So I made some comment to him. I was Hamish enough. I said, oh, I see there's this incredible depth must be in these stories that, uh, you know, that you must be, if they finish. He, w- he was not amused. And he was very upset. And he said, what should I do? He said, I, I, I'm, he said, I'm beside myself. This book is nonsense. The stories are nonsense and, and so on. My son got this as a prize from his principal for, for, for being a Mitsuyan. So I can't say anything. But, but, but it drives me crazy. And, and he said he wouldn't say anything. But, but he, you know, like the, he was very worked up. But, but he wouldn't say anything. And Moshe was not sparing of words. He, he could cut things down to size. So, so um, you can say at best, you can say, um, let's, let's get an example. Again, I'm going to take an extreme example. So that, let's say you have a chesidah Rebbe, and it tells you that if your child eats knedlach on Pesach, it's like eating chametz, which, which would be in a, in a chesidah place, this is the way it would be given over. You know, this is yarek val yavr. It would also be elevated yarek val yavr. So you need to explain to child and say there are different shitas. By Hasidim, it is very strict, very important. And, 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 and a Hasid who eats Kneidla is, is on his way down bad time. We have a different shita, just like this in the Gemara. A child who's learning Gemara is exposed to machlokis all the time. Beit Shammai, Beit Hillel, Rav and Abaya. And you say it's a big machlokis, and they feel very strongly this way. Others feel very strongly this way. It takes, it should, yes, it should take some imagination to, 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 to live with that. To, to, to. One of my children came home, he's a little boy, he's a third grade. He comes home very, very happy. Yaakov, why are you so happy? He said, because I have the best Rebbe Yerushalayim. I said, oh, that's amazing. How do you know? He says, he told us that we're fortunate to have the best Rebbe Yerushalayim. <laughs> so I patted him on his, uh, and I said, yeah, you are very, very fortunate. <laughs> you know, so fine. That, that was silly. So fine. You know, that was, but you learn, learn to be diplomatic and to figure out a way that the child, because and if you keep going head and head, there's a problem. There's an issue there. It's, you know, it's, it's, it, something should be done about it at the level. If it happened once, occasionally, that's normal. If, if there's a constant issue, then something that, is, you know, either your child is misplaced and the place doesn't belong, or the Rebbe is, is, is misplaced and the institution doesn't belong, one or the other. It shouldn't be coming up often enough to be a real crisis. Okay. Yes, you want this? Okay, fine.